Hello, I'm Connor Pope. This is In the News, where we take a close look at the stories that matter. Today, can Europe do anything about Hungary's anti-LGBTQ law? Arriving at an EU summit last week, Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte had damning words for Hungary and its Prime Minister Viktor Orbán. He said, for me, Hungary has no place in the EU anymore. Rutte was saying this because of a discriminatory new law in Hungary that bans the depiction of homosexuality to those under 18. Critics say the law stigmatises the LGBTQ community and runs against European values. This bill clearly discriminates against people on the basis of their sexual orientation. And it goes against all the values, the fundamental values of the European Union. The issue dominated the dramatic EU summit in Brussels last week, where Orban was confronted by other leaders, including Michal Martin. Naomi O'Leary is the Irish Times Europe correspondent. Naomi, has this ever happened before? Has a European leader ever suggested that another member state should leave the EU? What I've heard about the discussion at the European Council is that it was unprecedented. It's the kind of language that has very, very rarely, if ever, been heard among a discussion of the 27 at that level. Usually there's quite a high level of diplomacy. But for a leader to openly confront another leader and say, you know, why don't you leave? That's what Article 50 is there for. If you chose to be a member of the club, you chose to accept the rules of it. And if you don't want them, you know, you have other options. And, you know, the Dutch Prime Minister, Mark Rutte, uh, was the most outspoken on it, but he was far from alone. Um, I understand that the Portuguese Prime Minister, Antonio Costa, said, look, there are other nations like Norway and Switzerland and they're in an economic relationship with the EU and they aren't members. There are other options. Orban was very, very much isolated. The law we're talking about was passed in the Hungarian Parliament a few weeks ago. What does it actually say? Nominally, this is a law about combating child abuse. And in amendments to it, the Hungarian government has banned the portrayal of gay people in content intended for children or in school materials. And my understanding is that this law is quite loosely worded. So it refers to the promotion of homosexuality. So it contains a a number of assumptions. And one is that you can become gay by reading a book or seeing something on television. And it also makes a link between homosexuality and paedophilia. And rights groups have protested against this law as being blatantly discriminatory of trying to rouse societal hostility towards LGBT people. Children don't need protection from exposure to diversity. On the contrary, LGBT children and families, they need protection from discrimination and non-violence. Michal Martin spoke to the press in Brussels after the EU summit last week. You were there. What did he tell you? The Taoiseach told us that it had been an absolutely extraordinary meeting of the 27 leaders. There was an outpouring of real anger. It was described as quite passionate, quite emotional. Um, For example, the Luxembourg Prime Minister, Xavier Battelle, talked about his own struggle to come out as gay. To accept yourself being gay was my most difficult thing. To accept it myself. How to say to my parents. And said that it hadn't been his choice. And he protested the implication of this law, which is that you can get 
turned gay by a television series or a film. Even so sad that we have to, to say that we are going to court. It's about core values of the European Union to be able to be different in the Union. There's a number of reasons why this particular issue just blew up. And it includes the fact that at this point we've got prime ministers, we've got ministers in government who are themselves gay and who were there in the room and had a very personal stake in this argument. To go back to Micheál Martin, did he say anything else about LGBTQ rights at that press conference in Brussels? So the Taoiseach told us that he had raised in the meeting of the 27 leaders the case of a particular young man who he met last year. I took the opportunity to share an interview I had last November with Rory Holohan from Drogheda. A 15-year-old from Drogheda who had to move school because of very vicious bullying um, over his sexuality. I just felt so vulnerable and so scared. I didn't want to be myself. I felt, you know, should I change who I am or do I stand tall and let the haters hate? Amihul Martin said he'd been very affected by this story and so he wanted to share it with the rest of the leaders. He said very clearly to Victor Orban that your law will harm young people, uh, will suppress the rights of young people. He told us that he explained that this was what it was at stake. You know, young people... Um, are vulnerable at this age, even when you have legal protections for gay people in society, still being different can cause great suffering at school. And this was what this law hit. It was about the education of under 18s and that this kind of national level of stigmatisation was very, very dangerous for LGBT youth. The Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, has defended the legislation and he's actually said he's for gay rights. I'm a fighter for the rights. You know, I'm a freedom fighter in the communist regime. Homosexuality was punished and I fought for their freedom and their rights. So I I am defending the rights of the homosexual guys. But this law is not about that. It's about the right of the kids and the parents, you know. It's not about homosexuals. But of course, during his 11 years in power, Orban has frequently said that he wants to build what he calls an illiberal democracy in Hungary. And as part of that, there has been this growing hostility from the Hungarian state towards LGBTQ plus Hungarians. And some of those people have gone to court to fight against a 2020 law, which bans people from changing their gender and identity documents. So in a way, this is kind of what we've come to expect from Viktor Orban. Certainly it's far from the first move of this kind. Hungary brought in a very conservative new constitution, um, which defined the family as being a man and a woman, same-sex parents have been targeted. And also, it's not the first time that there's been controversy from the Fidesz party of Viktor Orban about things like advertisements. There was a big uproar over Coca-Cola ads that featured gay people and talked about acceptance. Um, And at that time, members of Fidesz called for Coca-Cola to be boycotted and for these ads to be banned. Um, So there is this atmosphere of culture war, uh, which isn't confined to Hungary. It's a more general trend in these countries which have radical right governments in terms of marginalising a certain sector of society. You've written that there's another reason he's doing this right now, that the timing of this legislation isn't coincidental. Why do you think he's doing it now? I understand that a lot of EU leaders see this as very opportunistic by the Orban government. There's an election next year. And this is seen as an attempt to start a culture war and solidify his support. I spoke to a Hungarian MEP, Katalin Seth, this week, and she told me that 
coming up to the elections of 2022, the United Opposition Party is really neck and neck with Fidesz and the and and Orban's forces in opinion polls. Um, she was one of two MEPs that were elected for the Liberal and pro-EU Momentum Party in 2019. That was a, a year of political upsets for Orban because the opposition made advances in local elections and also took the mayor's seat of Budapest, the capital. Um, so political ups- upsets are possible. And this is seen as a move by Orban to solidify his support by um, picking a wedge issue that um, divides society and starts a culture war. And is there any real chance that Orban could lose power at the next election next year? Anything is possible. Uh, There's a lot of concern about the extent to which civil society, civil freedoms, democratic norms have been eroded in Hungary. Um, There's been, uh, you know, quite a lot of curtailment of the free media. A university was forced to relocate and, you know, it's, it's actually no longer classed as a full democracy by the NGO Freedom House, which downgraded it to a hybrid regime in 2020. Um, so there's a lot of concern about the path that Hungary has been on. And certainly I think, you know, opposition politicians will be gearing up for a fight in this coming election. Coming up. How far are European leaders willing to go to make Hungary back down? Hungary joined the EU in 2004 with expectations of better economic days ahead. But the financial crash of 2008 hit hard. By the time Viktor Orban took power for the second time in 2010, the country was in the grip of austerity and three-quarters of its people felt they'd been better off under communism. Showing what they think of the EU, far-right activists in Hungary are calling for the country's exit from the bloc. They're angry that cash-strapped Hungary is under pressure to ditch new legislation that Brussels says may violate European laws and principles. Since then, the economy has improved, and Orban's popularity with voters has remained steady but its relationship with the European Union has been rocky. Naomi, what are some of the things Orban has done that has angered his EU counterparts? Hungary can be relied on to block joint EU statements on international issues, whether that's something that could offend China, that could offend Russia. In general, the Orban regime loves to do favours for other autocratic regimes. And it's become so predictable and so um, blatant that a lot of EU member states have absolutely just had enough of it. One particular example was that in recent weeks and months, the EU wanted to make a statement that was relatively gentle, just uh, expressing support for democracy in Hong Kong, where Beijing has been tightening its control and clamping down on um, the freedoms that had been enjoyed there. Um, And an EU statement was repeatedly blocked by the Hungarian government because joint declarations of the EU on foreign affairs matters require unanimity. And so now there's a debate about whether those rules should actually be changed to prevent this kind of abuse, um, to actually make it just a qualified majority of countries that can make a statement about human rights issues worldwide. Um, That's something which I doubt will see change in the short term, partly because Hungary can still rely on a couple of allies 
who made themselves clear in this confrontation um, over the LGBT issue, particularly the Polish government and the Slovenian government. In the past, how has Hungary responded to EU pressure? And how is it responding now? Viktor Orban has been very good at coming right up to the red line and then retreating. He uses tensions with the EU for domestic political purposes in a way that we were we have been familiar with, for example, um, in, from Britain in the wake in the build up to the Brexit referendum. Orban has, however, until this point, enjoyed a really significant and genuine strong relationship with key EU leaders because his Fidesz party was part of the European People's Party, which is the biggest political bloc in the EU and contains some of its most powerful leaders, including crucially Chancellor Angela Merkel. Now, Fidesz has left the EPP um, recently and suddenly that leaves Fidesz and Orban a lot more isolated than they were before. They don't have that network of allies, which has actually been blamed in smoothing Orban's rise to power. And this, I think, was the first occasion which was like a test case for the post-EPP Fidesz. Um, what would happen with this more isolated Hungary? Seventeen EU leaders signed a letter condemning the Hungarian law. But that means nine countries didn't sign the letter. Is that a sign of a deeper division in Europe that runs along east-west lines? There was a clear geographic split um, with a cluster of member states around Hungary forming the core of those who didn't speak out on this issue. Plus Portugal, which didn't sign because it has the EU presidency at the moment and has to be neutral. It was quite striking, the east-west split, and it does perhaps reflect political trends, cultural trends and slightly different norms. However, what's really interesting about this particular letter is that the three Baltic states, Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania, who often stay out of these kind of rows, they signed. They are also former uh, Soviet-controlled countries that broke out of the USSR. They also joined with all of Western Europe in condemning this. Uh, That's a clear difference. And what we saw in the confrontation of the 27, between the 27 leaders, is that Hungary was even more isolated with even though there was a number of states which hadn't signed that declaration, in the end he had only two allies um, of Poland and Slovenia. So really a more isolated Hungary than we've seen in the past. There has long been a debate about how the European Union should handle the illiberal democracy in Hungary. And critics have said that the European Union has appeased Orban for too long. This is being seen now as a litmus test for the European Union. How far do you think it will go in opposing the law? So we've seen that the European Commission has already initiated the first steps of a legal procedure against Hungary over this law. There are already Article 7 Uh, infringement proceedings against Hungary for other breaches of the rule of law, as there are against Poland as well, because of accusations that the Polish government has stacked the judiciary with allies. The issue with these procedures is that they are quite lengthy. They take a while to work out. There's lots of off-ramps. So if a government um, improves somewhat, the whole process can slow down. And apart from legal proceedings, how else can the EU put pressure on Hungary or any member state it feels is not following EU rules to fall into line? So the EU is about to start doling out uh, many, many millions in recovery funds to combat the economic effects of COVID-19. 
And there has there's a real concern about Hungary's use of these funds. Viktor Orban is accused of using EU money to solidify his power and enrich a group of cronies that support him. And there's real uh, momentum to ensure that this money isn't misspent. So there's a new clause that's coming in to protect the spending of EU funds, which links it to the respect for rule of law. And this hasn't quite been used yet, but a lot of EU member states have been calling for it to be used without delay. And what EU member states now have been pushing for is to really tie this, to link this to EU funds. There's a phrase that's often said, you know, the EU is not a cash machine. If you want the benefits of the EU, you have to agree to its rules. That's what membership is. And so coming up, what we'll have is a test case about whether or not a new clause which links the EU funds, EU budget funds and uh, and recovery money to the observance of the rule of law, whether that will be effective. It's yet to be tested, but there's a lot of pressure for it to be used. And this will all come down to political pressure, I think, in the end. This momentum for this has been driven by the Dutch government. Um, you know, the Dutch government has a reputation of always advocating for wise spending of EU money. And it's also one of the uh, least happy with Hungary, particularly on things like LGBT issues. So there have been previous clashes between the Dutch government and the Hungarian government in the build up to this confrontation over the issue of EU funds and rule of law. And this came to a head over this LGBT legislation with Mark Rutte openly calling for Hungary to leave the bloc if it didn't want to follow its rules. So in the end, money talks and it's money that the EU will use to try and bring Hungary back into line. I think money will be significant. We have a couple of cases of people like childhood friends, schooled friends of Viktor Orban who've become extremely wealthy uh, during his rise to power, who have been granted EU contracts to build things like train stations. Um, There's a former gas fitter who's now become, he's named as one of Hungary's richest men um, on the back of these state and EU contracts. Um, And what opposition politicians say is that this forms the backbone of Orban's support. There's a coterie of businessmen who support Fidesz, very wealthy, and that these EU funds, agricultural funds, have really solidified, he's used them to solidify his hold on power. Um, So clearly, making the funds conditional on observance of rule of law will hit Hungary in the pocket. And that's why the Orban regime is so starkly opposed to it and is in fact challenging this law in court. On On the other angle of things, the Article 7 proceedings, ultimately, an Article 7 proceeding can strip Hungary of its voting rights in the EU. And that would remove its ability to block things. And it would give greater power to the rest of the 26 to decide what to do with Hungary. But then again, you know, Hungary doesn't stand alone. It's got allies in the Polish government and the Slovenian government. And I think that a lot of EU leaders are saying now that this is why this issue has to be confronted head on, because if it's not, then it will give confidence to Poland and Slovenia who are at risk of following on a similar path in terms of uh, eroding democratic norms and going down a more autocratic route. And finally, what is the ultimate sanction here? Is there any mechanism by which the European Union could expel Hungary from the Union? The EU doesn't have the power to expel a member. 
it can strip a member of its voting rights and exclude it in that way. And we're looking at the construction of this new legislation, which will exclude countries from receiving EU funds. Though I suppose it's a kind of de facto suspension. Uh, but there, a, a state can leave by triggering Article 50. That's the way, the route for leaving the EU for kicking out a state. Naomi O'Leary, thank you very much for talking to us. In the news, we'll be back in your feeds soon. <laughs>